Good day, Trinidad and Tobago, and welcome to this week's episode of Strictly Legal, right here on WESN Content Capital. I am your host, Rondel Donoa, and I am once again excited to bring the law and you on this premier station. Last week, we spoke about um, the cohabitational relationships and the rights of the cohabitant spouse, as well as um, we spoke about the, the succession of um, the distribution of the estates of the cohabitant spouse, as well as the financial provisions if they were separated with my guest, Mrs. Karen Nunes Tishera, who is once again here, attorney at law, lecturer, uh, former, former minister, and, and uh, everything that you could think about, a very learned individual. Um, so today we are going to discuss on the law of um, succession um, in terms of distribution of estates on a wider scale where someone would have died with or without a will, where we say testate or intestate. Uh, of course, I don't need to introduce her once again uh, with her bio because, of course, we know who she is. So once again, I say good morning, Mrs. Nunez Shishera. Good morning to you, Ronald. I'm happy again to be here and um, hopefully I will be of assistance to your viewing public. Indeed, because last week, um, I must say that this program, particularly that episode, was a very, very... Uh, uh, very uh, shared episode, rather. Because it um, affects in terms of, people's Yeah, because lives. it affects persons' lives. So like company law, which helps, <laughs> you know, some kind of esoteric thing. This is something you live. These yes. People are living this day every single day. Yes, so, so it was quite popular. It was quite informative. And I think yeah. a lot of persons were very intrigued and they were, they were appreciative of the fact that, yeah. you know, you took the time out to, to, to bring the law in the simplest format, I must say. <laughs> Um, so, so I know last week we spoke about cohabitational relationships and yes. quite, quite um, interesting enough, yes. there was an article in, in yesterday's Newsday yes. which spoke about um, a Shagornas woman who failed to prove cohabitation in court. And if I may just read a little bit where it stated that the son of a man who died in 2016 has successfully challenged a claim by his deceased father's business partner that they were in a cohabitational relationship. Now, in the ruling, um, the judge stated that that the person who um, is saying that she was in a cohabitational relationship did not provide salient pieces of evidence to prove a cohabitation relationship existed between the, the two in her application to have the court recognize um, the, the relationship with the son, I'm uh, sorry, relationship in law. Uh, the son in his application is saying that um, between 96 and 2000, his father lived in Texas with his mother and three siblings. He said his father returned to Trinidad because he couldn't find work. Now, he admitted that his father was staying at Sukla's home in Shogonas, but said she was introduced to his father as the business partner. Um, now, in the ruling, the judge said that the burden of proof to prove a cohabitation relationship exists in accordance with the Cohabitation Relationship Act, which we, we spoke about, um, and, and who offered insufficient evidence that met the criteria. Uh, so, therefore, we are seeing where not all the time um, persons would achieve a cohabitation relationship status. And, therefore, what happens is that the court can rule that the, the siblings... Uh, sorry, or the children are the ones who are entitled to their estate. What, what do you have yeah. to say on so that, that um, Yeah, so that, that is, so since we're breaking it down for the man in the street, yes. all that sounds like a lot of legalese, but the point about it was this. Had she succeeded, because read, from reading it, either the mother of the young man who says there were three children of, with him, his mother had had three children for the deceased, either the mother had been divorced from the father, which means that she would not qualify, or... She had been living with him, but since they had stopped living together, at least in 2000, when he came back, the law requires you to be in a 
cohabitation and relationship continuously for five years immediately preceding the death of the disease. Yes. And since he died in 2016 um, or thereabouts, it is highly it's highly unlikely that the mother of those three children would have been entitled. And what is the significance of that? If she had succeeded, but she did not, if she had succeeded, firstly, under the intestate laws, she would have stepped into the shoe of a lawful spouse since there was none, and she would become the spouse. And as a spouse, she would be entitled to half of the estate of the deceased, and the three children would, be, would get the other half. Obviously, they wouldn't get as much as she. But more importantly, and which is why he said, the son said she'd be in charge. What he meant by that, as I understood it, is under the Wills and Probate Act. Yes. Um, what happens is, um, Section 30A says, the order priority for persons to apply for a grant. And if person who will be that person would, in that case, be that cohabitant. So what would have happened? She would have been the one entitled to apply to administer the estate. So she'd be in control. Yeah. And she would have gotten half of the estate, subject to any application being made. So obviously, it was a real-life situation that that's why they fought it. And um, coming back to the point that the judge in that case felt that the requirements of a marital relationship had not been satisfied, it brings you back to cases like Dalzine and Stowe, which McDonough uh, Mendonca, when he was a high court judge, really made a, one of those cases that um, we talk about as being a seminal case because he had to decide what does the law mean by bona fide domestic relationship. relationship yes. Because unlike, it was, there was no definition. But he said, we got our legislation from North South Wales, Australia. And they did provide a, a definition. Yeah. So it is clear that the judge looked at a number of factors. She looked at the nature and extent of the common residence, what the son said, they lived in separate rooms, whether or not they had a sexual relationship, so that follows from that. Yeah. The degree of financial of inter, uh, interdependence between the two, the degree of commitment to a shared life, didn't seem to have that. The care and support of children where there were no children around the performance of household duties, whatever reputation, whether people recognize that relationship as his being his, his wife. Yeah. You know, so obviously she may have, some of the factors may have been satisfied, but not enough. So at the end of the day, her application was not successful. And as a result of which, it appears to me that the estate will go to the three children, the children. And it will also, they will also be the ones entitled to apply for the administration. And which, remember when we, were, um, we had mentioned children, and we have to be very clear that when we talk about children, it does not only mean children of a marriage since 1981. It also means children born whether within a marriage or outside of a marriage. It includes adopted children. I don't know if they had any like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it's a wider scope. So if they, even if their mother wasn't married to their father, that's my point. It does not matter. They would be seen as if they were the children, children of the deceased. And no distinction made between them and children born in a marriage. So let's discuss in terms of the broader aspect of, of, of succession. Meaning, in layman terms, we have the distribution of estates. Yeah. Uh, now, let's touch on if someone leaves a will. Yes. Uh, what, what, what is the procedure? I mean, that should be simple in terms of carrying out what the testator would have wanted. Right. So, Trina has a peculiar situation rather than all other jurisdictions, England, all other Caribbean islands, is that usually in the law, it says a will speaks and takes effect upon death of the testator. So, it means that the 
the executor appointed under the will, because that's what a will will do. You want someone to administer your estate. So if it's you're dealing with probate, a grant of probate, you would have an executor who's willing and able. So he didn't die before you, he did not renounce, and he can prove the, he can go ahead and apply. So in Trinidad, um, the situation is that until you get that grant from the court, the, the estate vests without getting too legal in the administrator general. So let's to prevent the estate from lapsing. So to get a grant um, for, for will, of course, the will has to be valid. And people yeah. have to be very mindful of these things. One, that, the, um, that he didn't revoke the will, right? And sometimes when you're looking for the will, you can't find it. It happens a lot of times. Yes. So oh, a, a new will is a, a new will. Uh, well, you can't produced. find the old will because mm. somebody found the will and tore it up or got rid of it. So that's why it's a good thing to put your will in the probate registry. So you have a will. It must be a valid will. It must be properly executed. How many wills fail? Meaning that you've got to have the testator. You don't have to see the will. You just have to say, this is my will. Or he could even sign in another room and say, listen, I, this is my signature to my will. I want you to witness it to so the the two witnesses must stay together at the same time. Nobody must leave the room. They must all stay together and see each other. And when the whole process is over, you can't walk out and come, and come back in. No, everybody must stay together. So once you have done that and there's no claim of the lack of testamentary capacity and there's no other um, challenge to the will, then you can have, whoever is the executor or executors can apply for grant of probate, which is where he has left a valid will with executors who are willing to prove the will. No, so, no. Let's discuss. Let's let's touch on an issue here. Uh, can anyone challenge the will? Because of course, you know, sometimes you would find that part spouses uh, could be very mean um, in terms of leaving nothing for for their spouse. Can a spouse challenge that the validity of that will? Well, there are two ways of doing it. You can go under the family provisions, and uh, we have mentioned this. Um, Trinidad and I think one other jurisdiction is is different even from England that you're right if you are successful as a spouse saying listen he made a will and he left little or nothing for me you know and you know I was a good wife to him etc 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 your entitlement is not limited to maintenance only in other words you can get a big part of that mm -hmm. estate as yes. opposed to other applicants right the other way is of course when you have filed all the documents which will be the certified copy of the will, the executors, oh, there's a precedent in the back of the Wills and Probate Act, the certified um, attest, or affidavit of an attesting witness who said, yes, I was there and everything was done as was supposed to be done according to the law, the inventory, the assets and liabilities of the deceased, an application, which is a standard application form, which is in, a, in the back of the Wills and Probate for thing. There's also a search that will, you will send in that search early because why are you sending in the search is that in the probate registry, they will look to see if anyone else has lodged an application for a grant. Yes. That's one way you'll find out, or also whether there is a, um, a will read, um, registered, uh, registered with them. Lodged, yeah. So there is a thing, when all of that is done and you pay the filing fees, the registrar, yeah, I'm sure everybody sees it, a whole page where they put in applications for grants and they put it on that. advertised. Advertised. Yes. Two successive weeks, I think. That is your opportunity to say, wait, he's applying for a grant. No, 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 no. I am going to lodge a caveat. And that can start a whole set of proceedings. Essentially, And caveat, just for the person who don't know what a caveat is, of course. But a yes. caveat is effectively a notice to the court that you are objecting to the grant of the probate to the executors. 
and you will have to then follow through with a whole process that is involved, essentially ending up sometimes with you either withdrawing your objection when you are satisfied that it's a good valid will or ending up in court in contentious probate. So you have an option once the um, application is advertised, you can wait till then and lodge a caveat that would put things, stop things, or you can let it go through and make an application for under the family provisions, or you can make an application, which is all that would become more expensive, an application for revocation of the will, maybe on the basis that that was not the last will, because it's the last will, eh? Or fraud, is, is or, 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 or fraud, fraud or something, yes. or undue influence, yeah. or, or lack of testamentary capacity. So we don't want to get too, too much into the nitty gritty of yeah. it, but there are ways um, to challenge, because especially if the estate is a big estate, a lot of money involved. And you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, I've seen it time and time again, when people die, everybody's decent to each other. From the day mommy and daddy pass out, every clause come out and That's then right. you know it, it is and it breaks up families it does you know so it's always good to leave a will um and to make sure that you can do this too eh? if you feel that a child may not be happy with what you left them you can give a reason in your will they might be happy about that or if your husband you could give that because if they go under family provisions then they will use your reasons. It's only as a reason why, listen, she didn't leave you this because she helped you, gave you X, Y, and Z. You were a terrible husband to her. You were a terrible wife to her. And you had no marital relationship. Or your son was awful. He treated you badly. And he would take the money and just spend it out. Because and this that's is real it. life. Yes, yeah. This is real life. And that's why you put it in. Yes. You yes. get an opportunity. Because remember, you're now dead, eh? So the will is what's speaking for you. Mm -hmm. That is what we know. If you have anything to say, that's where to say it. <laughs> that man tells no tales. Uh, let, let us take a break. And when we come back, we will deal with, with persons who have um, died without leaving a will in Tustasi. Uh, you are watching Strictly Legal with Ronald Donoa and Miss Karen Unestichero. We'll be right back. And welcome back. We are speaking about the law of succession, basically distribution of estates when someone dies. Uh, now, Mrs. Tishera, uh, in terms of uh, the persons who would have died without a will, or we call them died interstate, uh, what are the criteria that has to be satisfied, or what is the steps to take uh, to, uh, to distribute the estate? Right. So I just want to mention, and I won't go into it because so we don't have time, but you can have a situation where there's a, there's a will, but the executor has he renounced or he has died before the um, testator. So you have what they call letters of administration with will and X, but we're not dealing with that. We're going straight in intestacy. So that's, there's no will or no valid will as the case may be. So who are the persons entitled? The persons entitled, well, you look at the wills and probate for the um, persons entitled to apply for the grant. And then you look at the Distribution of Estates Act to look at the persons who are entitled to the estate, which usually are one and the same anyhow. And then you can't forget the family provisions because that allows, as we saw last week. And then we have the Succession Act as well. Well, well no, when I say the Family, family Provisions, the Succession yeah. Act, only part eight of the Succession Act, which is with family provisions, deals with what I was, what I was saying. Apart from one, Section 122, it deals with the fact that we got rid of estate duty since 1981. Yes. So when we're looking at it, we're looking at the 
Wills and Probate um, Act, Section 38, that gives you the order priority for the person to apply for the grant. You're looking at the Distribution of Estates of Act, Distribution of Estates Act, which deals with the person's entitled to the estate, and the Family Provision Section of the Succession Act, when someone says, wait a minute, I, he didn't leave enough for me, or I should have gotten more, or whatever the argument is, kind of a little harder on an intestacy, but we saw with a cohabitant it can happen, and um, you make an application. Okay? So let's start with the people who are entitled. Okay, uh, so the persons who are entitled to apply would be the spouse, and if there is no married spouse, as we call it, it would then be the um, cohabitant, and then if there is no cohabitant or spouse, it would be the children. And no more than four persons can apply for a grant. So if the person left 10, 20 children, they have to decide among themselves among themselves who will apply. But so they cannot nominate one person. They, um, well, I would never want to say one. It's never good to have just one. You know, if, unless, of course, you only one child. So there's no problem. But if there are a number of children, I don't think it's a good thing to leave that authority to one person. But, but I know there, there's, a, there's um, a form where you can renounce a right to apply. Renunciation. Yes, yes you can do that, yes. But um, what I'm saying is that when we're coming to applying for the grant, and that, um, there's no lawful spouse or cohabitant, and we deal with children, remember, as we know, that children include children born within or without, outside of a marriage, um, adopted children under the Adoption Act. It's not just, you know, you're yeah, yeah, that's my adopted child. No, no, no. I think no, that's no. important to note. No, 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 children no. that were born within and within, yeah, um, yes. out of a marriage. Yes. There's no distinction in the law once you can prove that that man is your father. So the easiest way, of course, well, if you were married, there's a presumption, just a presumption, that that is a child of the marriage. Obviously, sometimes it's not really correct, but there's a presumption. That's why it's called a presumption. Yes. Right? Or if you are, even if you are married and you had children, he could have had other children before and after, and easiest way would have been his name on the birth certificate. So that would make it very easy for you to prove that you are a child of the deceased. And, and let's take a pen. Let's say, for instance, um, the deceased name is not on a birth certificate. And that's where it is. And also, not only his name not on a birth certificate. Uh, unfortunately, it happens because, uh, understandably, with mothers, they may not want to leave a new name for the father, especially when they're going to register the child and all of that. So they get a good friend. They do it a lot, eh? Hmm. Got a good friend, just put his name. You have to go to the, the registrar district registrar to do that but they do do it eh? you know but if the father's name is not there then you have to go under the status of children act for paternity order and under the paternity order you are applying and saying that even though well if the father is alive it's I suppose it would be easier that um that he is your father and you would um do dna dna is one of the ways now the case law now is showing you see that blood test yeah. blood test couldn't tell you that he's not but DNA is far more reliable um, to determine um, paternity if it is being contested by the father. If he accepts and says, yes, that's my child, and he puts in an affidavit or declaration to that effect, well, we won't have that problem. But if you have to go the next step, your court will order DNA um, testing to be done because that's the most um, reliable form of proving that. Yeah. They also put in an affidavit saying, well, you know, maybe the priest from the neighborhood or somebody well-respected teacher, everybody knew that he was the father. He used to come and brought nappies for the child. He'd play with the child. He'd say that was his child. It was a puppet. So, it's, so it can be done. 
Um, it gets a little bit more murky when the father is dead. And few, very few jurisdictions allow you to make an application for paternity order when the father has died. Because a dead man tells no, no tales. Indeed. But nevertheless, the court does allow you to do it. And what they do is it's not just relying on your word. Eh? They send out um, persons who are employed by the state to go into the neighborhood and ask persons and neighbors to verify your version of the relationship. But in Trinidad, until recently, as far as when I certainly when I had written my book, it was fairly easy for persons to get a paternity order after the father had died if they could have some affidavits corroborating this their version of it. So those are the persons. And so if, those are the entitlement persons who are entitled to apply. Yes, the entitled to apply. Mm -hmm. And when you deal with intestacy, it usually follows right to the estate. So if he left children, or the children have share the estate equally. So. So I'm saying that the, the spouse shares half, but the spouse gets... No, but if the spouse is not there, if the spouse, okay, yeah, if they, yeah. okay, so if we're dealing, if there was a spouse, yes, okay, so if we're dealing with a spouse, cohabitant, right, yes, she's going to get half, and the children are going to get, the, um, one child will get the other half, if he leaves a spouse cohabitant, she will get a half again, and the children, how many ever they may be, will get the other half to be shared among them. If there are no children, and no, if there are no children at all, or great-grandchildren or grandchildren, that spouse or cohabitant will get everything. And similarly, if he leaves um, no cohabitant spouse, but leaves children, grandchildren, they will share it, and there will be no distinction between children born within a marriage or the marriage, provided that the father's name is on the birth certificate, or you have gotten a paternity order from the court acknowledging the and, and it is the DNA is this is what is to be done now because there are cases even here in Trinidad where um, persons were made to believe for many many years that that they were the father of a child and after some years for whatever reason they started doubting it and they went to court and they were successful with the DNA to have themselves removed is very tragic for the child. Have themselves removed as the father of the child and then name taken off as the child's last name too. Yeah. It's a very That's hard happened. thing. Yeah. It happens quite a bit, but you know, you know, as I'm saying that, I remember when I was teaching at the Faculty of Law, one of my students, she was a science, she had done science before, and she was from Jamaica. She said in um, making applications when fathers in the States applying to bring their children up, minor children, the court is not the American, um, system. They, they are not embassy. They're not prepared to just accept father's name on the boot certificate because they had to be shown that at least in one third of the cases that they have to do the DNA, that when they do the DNA, that man is not the father. Wow. And, and is, there, is there a time frame in which, in which you have to apply for, um, for letters of administration? Well, it's, it's say one year. And if you go to the Administrator General's Act, it allows you after one year and you're not doing anything, you're sitting on your, I think it's for bad mind or sometimes it's just bad yes. mind too, eh? right? Because they have to get a lawyer to do it. Once your estate is valued over 960, you cannot do it yourself. You have to do it through an attorney at law and you have to pay the probate expenses out of the estate, funeral expenses, those are debts of the estate. So you can make an application to the court for the person who is being the person to apply to account for the administration of the estate. 
And when you ask them to account for the administration of the estate, then he has to really tell the court for one year why he did nothing. Yes, and therefore, if, and if they don't apply, then the administrator general can appoint. Uh, yes. Or, or one of the children, one of the other children. Now, also, too, if all of them, if they're more than a number of siblings and we need to applying, you will also want them to put in their written consent to the applicants applying. Because yes. you have to say he died leaving four children. We are the um, administrators of estate, the other two children, so on so. Our birth certificates have to be put in too, and they have consented in writing to us applying for the grant. So you should get that, and in death certificate, obviously, certified copy of the death certificate has to be included. So, so I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to discuss um, yes. in this regard, and we, and we are uh, basically out of time. But before we go, I, I just want to, yeah. to pull up your, your text um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to start with the, uh, the non-contentious probate and practice uh, text. Just tell us a little bit of, of, about this text. Well, of course, it's used in many law schools and, and practitioners alike. Well, I told you already... Um, <laughs> It was very, very challenging to have written it because from the point of view, even though it's a second edition, so you could imagine the first yeah. edition, there really was not any, um, you couldn't go online and find carry law or any of those websites, yes. okay? So it was really trudging along from island to island. I have to thank the law school for giving me the chance to go up to every single island and do the research because it was practice. So it was, it was a tough haul. But it was something I felt I had to do because it's a question of giving back. You and, 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 and practitioners back. like myself, we, we use it. And, of course, we, and we and write it for you all, we write indeed. it for the students because we have the time as lecturers because that's our job. Yeah. Uh, we're teaching so many students to do that. And, and let's turn to the, to the other text, which is also a, a, a very um, a popular text as well. That's the Commonwealth Caribbean Family Law. Husband, wife, yeah. and cohabitant, um, yes. in terms of that particular text as well. Again, I started teaching family law at Keyville, and same attitude I have. I mean, I had to do so much research because when you're writing these, um, teaching in these um, faculties, unlike United States, you're not teaching one state. You have stu students from all oh, different jurisdictions, jurisdictions, and they get very upset when you want to sit down there and talk about Trinidad Jam and Barbados and Jamaica. <laughs> And, and they say, I'm not going back to those countries to practice, you know. I'm going back to St. Vincent, I'm going to Grenada. So it's a lot of, um, but at the end of the day, it helped me a lot um, because it forced me to do the research. And having done all that research, I certainly felt I should write the book and on it. And it is constant um, updates in the law and yes. practice, you know, yes. of those books. So the two, so the two texts, that is the probate, um, non-contentious uh, text, as well as the family law uh, text as well. And, and just for uh, the record, as I have told one, you, yeah. I, if I have made anything off of the non-contentious, it may have been 10 years ago. And I never did it to make money. I never ever, because I certainly don't. To give but back. But I always feel giving back. Indeed. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Um, Nunesti Sheriff, for being a wonderful guest. Of course, we may invite you again, because of course, <laughs> of course we, we have to continue this discussion, because family law is, is quite big, and it yeah. will encompass a lot of different um, peripheral areas. Perhaps, so thank you very much. Perhaps you might think of asking people to send you questions, so yes, that we could yes, focus yes, on that, what that they think are important. Indeed. I, I think that is, that, is, um, that is a good note with the um, suggestion. Yeah. So thank you so much. You have been watching Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. I am your host, Rwanda Donoa. We had Mrs. Nunes to share with us. See you then. God bless.